Good. It's wonderful to be together. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to open them with your journals to Ephesians chapter four, uh, <clears throat> we're going to be continuing uh, in, in chapter four and we're continuing our Alive series at the book of Ephesians. And just a little bit of a recap is that uh, two weeks ago, we, we began this new section, uh, chapter four to ve- uh, chapter six becomes very practical. Paul kind of puts the spiritual reality, what what Jesus has done for us and won for us in chapters one, two, and three into real practical terms. Um, and we saw this word, therefore, at the beginning of chapter four, at the beginning of this practical section, four, five, and six of the book of Ephesians. And I, I wanted us to think about a question as we go through these chapters that we'll come back to time and time again, hopefully. And the question really is, how do we respond to grace? How do we respond to the grace of God? Everything that's happened in chapters one, two, and three, all these incredible truths that we have learned and just listened to over the weeks as we've gone through the book. How do we respond to the spiritual realities of what God has done in our lives, to the gospel of grace? And we saw at the beginning of chapter four that Paul is very practical and he basically says, well, this is how you respond you walk. And we, and we spoke about the walk of a Christian as, as something of, of progress. There, there's some real practical realities to what God has called you to, that you, that you are now to go on a walk, that, that your life is going to change and that there's going to literally be life change because of what's happened in the first few chapters, because of the therefore. And we saw this walk wasn't just an individual walk although it is an individual walk and we to get individually we we become more like Christ as we make progress but also there's a walk that we do together and so as a church we walk together and 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 Paul spoke about this word unity and he he says "You, you, you, you you all these incredible again realities of you are now one new man one new humanity what that means is that you walk together very practically in Gothenburg, in the church. You walk, you're people who walk together in unity. And Paul is an expert on this because he's talking to church in Ephesus, perhaps around the city as well, that is full of different people from different backgrounds. And, and Paul knows how to plant churches with a bunch of different people in them. And he, he knows the value and the importance of the word unity and it's a wonderful privilege to be part of good first where we have many different nations many different cultures amongst us and so when we hear paul talk about unity we've got to take notice this is a guy who knows what he's talking about and paul says this is how you maintain unity and he spoke about being a people who are gentle and humble patient that we forbear with one each uh, forbear with one another that we don't bite each other's heads off and are quick but actually we listen we love one another quite simply kind of like this overarching theme love one another and he spoke about keeping the main things the main things okay and he gave us these seven ones to kind of to focus on let's not get hung up on the small differences it's okay to have small differences we're from different backgrounds and different cultures and we might see things slightly different and that's okay 
and they're small, but the big things, the main things, we've got to keep them in focus. That will help us remain united. And so we know that there's one God, one Father, one Son, one Holy Spirit, three in one. We stand together on that. We believe in one church. We believe in one baptism. And Paul goes through these ones and says, keep these things in focus. And that's going to help you maintain unity. As we continue to go through the first part of chapter four, Paul will now introduce some new ways that we are to maintain unity. And he's going to talk about how diversity and maturity contribute to being united. So if you've got your Bibles open, we're going to read uh, from verse 7 to verse 16. It's the second part of what I introduced a couple of weeks ago. It says this, this is the ESV. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, the body grow so that it builds up itself up in love. The first thing I want us to notice from this piece of scripture is that Paul celebrates diversity it could be an easy mistake to make when we start off chapter four with the all of us with this with this picture of the one new humanity it could be a very easy mistake to make that we think that Paul wants us all to become the same all to look the same all to talk the same all to have the same gift to provide the same things Actually, what Paul is celebrating in this part of the book is diversity. He goes from all of us to each one of us in verse 7, to every joint at the end of this section. From all of us to every part, each one. And so the, the fact that we are all different is God's design. It is not a mistake, but it is very much the design of God. And Paul says this, unity requires diversity. And when you think about it, it makes complete sense. Every team that I can think about, be it 
a sport team, work, whatever, whatever team you think about has different roles. If everyone does the same thing, then the team maybe in a way you think is united, but really they're not going together towards a common goal. I think about young kids playing football and, and, and when, you, when you're four or five and you see a football, basically, if there's 10 people playing football, 10 kids, what will happen is they'll all go towards the ball. Okay, that, that's the goal. And, and they all do the same thing, which is go towards the ball. But actually, as they get older, they realize that there's different positions. So as the whistle blows, the goalkeeper takes his place and, and the striker and, and everyone spreads out so that they can pass the ball around and achieve the united goal, which is winning a game, scoring a goal. And it's the same. I love talking to those who work for Volvo amongst us and just hearing the mass array of, of just the incredible amount of work that goes into creating one car. And all these teams, not even part of Volvo, it's, it's you know, companies that have been sort of subcontracted by Volvo, making like small motors indoors that help with the window. And, and they all kind of, everyone does their own little part and to the end result being a car. Hospitals are the same thing. I'm always amazed when going into hospital and seeing someone welcomes you, then there's a nurse who comes and does something, then there's a doctor who comes and there's a nurse who comes and there's a doctor. And it's a team of different roles, every part playing their part. And so unity of purpose requires diversity. It requires people to do different jobs, different roles. And it's the same with the church, Paul says. Now, the sad thing is that there's this wrong view of church. There's this view of church, which is everybody should look and act the same. Everyone should wear the same clothes. Everyone should believe exactly the same. Everyone should sound exactly the same. Everyone should have gone to university. Everyone should have two cars. That couldn't be further from the truth. But there's this wrong view of church. Everyone looks the same. There's even this wrong view, perhaps within church, that the ultimate goal is to become a pastor. The ultimate goal is to become a leader. If only I could be a pastor, if only I could be a leader, that is where it is all going. That's the point of church. It's not the picture that Paul paints. Paul paints this picture of every part, diverse part, coming together. We heard... Uh, I think it was in the end of chapter two, that the church reflects the manifold wisdom of God. And we heard this word manifold. And again, I wanted to remind us of what that meant back in the day. And it basically was this picture of many, many different flowers, not just one flower, but many of them, but many, many different flowers or this beautiful tapestry with all different sorts of colours. As a church, we represent the manifold wisdom of God by being different. If we all become roses or tulips or whatever, actually, we're not representing God well. It is in our difference that we represent God best. And so unity requires diversity. 
And the practical reality of us all being different flowers is everyone's got something to bring. There's a real practical reality to this. You have got something to bring good first. And as you bring yours, your gifting, and someone else brings their gifting, and someone else brings their gifting, together we work towards the goal. And so at Good First, we have a really big value on body ministry. We believe that everyone has a part to play. And it's really important that we understand this. We don't believe that it all is down to Alid. We don't believe that Alid will do all the administration, that he'll do all the worship, that he'll do all the preaching, that he'll do the tea and coffee, that he will welcome guests, that he will serve the poor. We don't believe he is the guy who does it all. We believe in body ministry. It's why we say quite regularly before worship, hey, we believe in this. If you've got something to share, if you've got a verse to bring or, or something prophetic to bring, please do do it. Why do we say that? Is it just like a nice way of doing church? No, we believe it's very, very biblical. That every part has its part to play. That you have your part to play. And we all come from different backgrounds. I'm very aware of that. Some of you might come from backgrounds where, where actually there is the leaders do it all. And we come to get served. Or, or that the paid employees do it all and you know that they look after everything and again come to serve or or the folk that have a bit of time spare time they're the ones that perhaps the retired people they do it all actually that's not the picture that paul is painting and we see this at the beginning at the and at the end of this section it's almost sandwiched with this beautiful picture talking to the individual talking to you talking to me each one of us that the grace has been given to each one of us so paul is is recognizing that within us as a church within the church in ephesus every christian every saint has been gifted by god by christ with a measure of grace that means you have been uniquely gifted by christ out of grace so important that we hear this and we understand this and I kind of wish that we were together and I'd kind of like pause at this point and I guess I can pause we need to understand this that whatever background you have had or or whatever you think of yourself perhaps you've been told that you have nothing to give we want to we want to erase that and we want to focus on what it says in scripture what god says about you what paul says about you and he says this there has been a portion of grace given to you there has been a grace gift given to you each one of us no one is this isn't just for the paid or the leaders or the ones who have time each one of us and again at the bottom we see every joint each part you have been uniquely gifted by christ and that's why it's actually a little bit sad when people don't get involved with church when people just visit on a sunday and then jump back out or go from church to church to church because what they are doing is actually robbing the bride of christ robbing the church of them of their gift christ has gifted everyone with a gift of grace so that we can build up the body and what happens is if we kind of float around and we don't get properly involved in the church we just it 
allow it to serve us, but don't want to serve it. What happens is that actually the reality is that we're robbing the church of us, of the gift that God has given to the church, i.e. us. We also see in this section, these, these different, these four different uh, leadership roles, these different ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds and teachers. And we, and we see the reason for them. We're going to look at them next week in more, in, in more detail. But we see what Paul says, the reason for them is to equip the church. And again, it's so important that we understand this. We don't we could just say oh it's the ministries that do it all it's the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers they're the ones that do it all but it's very important to read the verse of uh, the first part of verse 12 where it says they are to equip the saints for the work of ministry so we don't get hung up on the apostle or 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 the prophet and and like everything focuses on them no their role which i may be getting a bit too much into next week's apologies but their role is to equip us. Why? So that we can do the work. So that you can do the work. The whole point of getting equipped for something is so that you do something. I'm actually at the summer house now helping uh, my father-in-law build a, a kitchen. And I came with a drill. And the whole reason I equipped myself with a drill was because I was going to do lots of drilling. Okay, it would have been weird if I bought a drill to, I don't know, a shopping center. People would have looked at me and thought, what is he about to do? What a strange person he is. I equipped myself for the work. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, shepherds, teachers, they equip us so that we can get on and do things. So important that we understand that every member, they equip every member. And so to maintain unity, to be one, we must be made up of many different parts, all doing different roles, working together for a common goal. Second thing we see to maintain unity is that we need to be mature. We need maturity. It says this in verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son, and Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and kept about by every wind of doctrine. Paul wants us to grow. Paul wants us to be mature. One of the most regular conversations I have with Freddie as a five-year-old is about growth. He always wonders how big he's going to get, how strong he's going to get. When is he going to get stronger than his father? And I say, well, for me, it was a, around the age of eight, I got stronger than my father. And he wonders, is he going to be bigger than Oscar? Is Oscar going to be bigger than him? He of, often wonders, why is Ollie taller than daddy? and bigger than daddy when daddy is older than him. He constantly thinks about growth. Even on the three hour journey here yesterday, he was talking about being big. And it's interesting, there's something in him that wants to mature, that wants to grow. 
it is exactly the same with Paul. He wants us as Christians to grow. He wants us to wonder, when am I going to be stronger? When am I going to be bigger? When, I, when, when am I going to be more mature? Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He talks about it in Colossians. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He talks about a people who are maturing, who are walking, who are making progress in their faith. His heart, knowing the mission um, that God has given, his heart is to see a people who are made mature, who are becoming more mature. And the reality is that children change their mind a lot i think even today freddie has both told me that he loves me and that he's not my friend anymore and that is literally everyday conversations the kids just go with the wind if you say something they don't like like eat a vegetable they hate you okay if you say something they do like have a sweet they love you they go with the wind that's immaturity paul says to be mature we're able to stand against every wind every wave maturity is not so easily affected that when someone says you can have a sweet you are in love or you need to have a vegetable suddenly you hate them there's a maturity that comes with age that that knows what's behind that there's able to stand up to the waves and the winds of sweets and vegetables or in this case the doctrine there's three points here with maturity that I want to quickly kind of like land on as we as we finish. And the first first thing is very simple that that we don't get tossed to and fro with the winds of different doctrines that we're able to humbly say, no, this is this is where I stand. The, the seven ones that Paul introduces. Now, these are things that I humbly want to say, no, I believe in these. I, I, I can't be tossed to and fro. The reality is that it wouldn't take a long Google search to see the amount of different views on different things. And, 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 and if you're not mature, you just get like kind of like slapped around and, and blown around and bashed about because one minute you think this, next minute you think that one person says this, another person says that. And you go like, ah, like crisis of faith. Now, there's a maturity in understanding. Now, these things are written in blood. I'm going to stand firm. I understand this. I've, I've looked at it. That's why doing Into the Word, the, the course that we run once a month, looking into the Word is so important. It's why reading Scripture, why, why catching up on our Ephesians preaches, if you haven't, is so important. Because we need to get rooted in Scripture. We need to understand where we are standing, what we are standing on. So, so maturity looks like not being blown around. It also looks like taking responsibility. Take responsibility for the gift that God has given you. God has given you a gift for the building up of the local church, the building up of Christ's body. Take responsibility. An immature person would not take responsibility. Maybe when it suits them, they would take responsibility. But Paul is saying, no, take responsibility, become more mature for the building up of the local church, Christ's body with your gift. And finally, uh, we see in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. There's speaking the truth and there's speaking the truth in love. They're two 
sound very similar, but very, very different things. If we speak the truth, we don't care about what people, how people are hurt, what people think. We just, we just say it. But actually, if, we, if behind speaking the truth, there's a, there's a love, then it comes across in a complete different way. And the motive of it is completely different. And I want to challenge you to check your motives. When we speak, do we speak in a way that just get, it's just about getting our point across? Okay, and it doesn't matter what anyone else, how it hurts people or whatever, it's just, or is it gentle? Okay, the beginning parts, humble, patient. Is it full of love? Is our truth, when we speak, it's important to speak truth, fundamental, but when we speak truth, when we step out and do that, do we do it in love? As we wrap up, verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. As we become more mature, as we work together with our diverse gifting, we will unite in one common goal. We will unite in becoming more like Christ. You see, there is one who we should all aim to look like. And it's not me. And it's not someone else. It's not Paul. It's Christ. We should all aim to look like Christ. Paul's appeal of unity is, is that we should become more like Christ. His appeal for diversity is that all these different parts actually represent Christ. And we should become like him. We should grow into him. And I believe as we become more like Christ as we grow into Christ through the spirit what will happen is that we'll become more united we'll become more gentle and humble and patient and forbearing and loving and diverse and mature why because that's who Jesus is come to me all who labor I'm gentle and lowly I'm gentle and humble we as we grow into Christ the very attributes of who Christ is who of who of what Paul is trying to teach into this church will naturally flow out of us through the spirit because we are becoming more like him because we are connected to the source that we are connected to Jesus the the author and perfecter of our faith as Nina shared today from Philippians 2 this is this is Christ he's humble he came in humility and so if we want to get more humble let's grow into him let's welcome him let's ask the spirit to make us and give us opportunities for humility gentleness being united okay we want to be a diverse people everyone has a gift but we go towards the same goal we want to be mature. We want to grow up. We want to have these different seven ones. We want to be a people who are gentle and humble, loving. Paul talks about unity, talks about becoming like Christ. I'm going to pray, and then I think we're going to respond with one last song. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for you coming to earth humbly. Lord, we thank you that you took on
flesh, uh, not out of necessity, but in humility. And Holy Spirit, I just ask us, will you, I just ask, will you help us become more like Christ? I pray for all these things that we've looked at over the last couple of sessions on Ephesians, Lord, that you will build into us as a church, a people who are united. Lord, I thank you so much that we have Brazilians amongst us, as Zimbabweans, Swedes, English, everyone else. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the beauty of uh, how that represents you and your manifold wisdom. And I, I just ask you, Lord, will you unite us together? Lord, will we be one people with many different giftings? Lord, focused on you, putting God first, putting you first, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Just pray we be with us, shape us, look after us as we go through this next week. Amen.